In 2018, voters in Florida faced a question on the ballot. Should people convicted of a felony be able to vote after serving out their sentence? The result was overwhelming. 65% of voters said yes. Felons who have served their time in Florida will now be allowed to vote. Amendment 4 restored voting rights to former felons who have served their time, except for those convicted of sex crimes or murder. Voting rights will be restored to 1.4 million people with past felony convictions. This is the first presidential election that includes these new voters. And since it's Florida, they have the potential to make a big impact on the presidential race. But state lawmakers passed a law last year that made registering to vote more complicated. The law said all court fees, fines, and restitution related to their convictions had to be paid in full before they could register to vote. Many people have learned they owe thousands of dollars. And today is the deadline to register. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Kate Leinbaugh. It's Monday, October 5th. Coming up on the show, how former felons are scrambling to make payments so they can vote in Florida, and what these new voters could mean for the presidential election. This episode is brought to you by Global X ETFs. Looking to invest? Start your journey by exploring exchange-traded funds with Global X ETFs. Exchange-traded funds, or ETFs for short, create baskets of stocks, bonds, and other assets that you can buy in a single trade. GlobalX specializes in ETFs that track emerging trends, like the rise of artificial intelligence, as well as strategies aimed to generate income potential. Visit GlobalXETFs.com to discover how you can get started. Before Florida passed the amendment to the state's constitution, it was one of the only states to bar people from voting after they had served their sentence for a felony. In Florida, this goes back a really long way. It's pretty close to the Civil War. John Camp has been covering felon voting rights in Florida for years. Florida would permanently take away voting rights unless the person who lost their rights specifically petitioned the governor or a government panel to get those rights back, but it was a difficult process to get there. So in essence, most people would just lose those rights forever. The amendment to the state constitution ended that system, and it was popular for a few reasons. The argument is that it's a fundamental right and that people should get that right back when they have paid their debt to society. Another argument is also that this is something that helps people reintegrate into society when they leave prison, that they become a participant in being able to choose the people who make the rules that dictate how they live their lives in many cases. But before anyone had the chance to vote, Florida's Republican-controlled state legislature introduced a bill that spelled out a new definition of time served. The Republican Governor Ron DeSantis signed a bill And a key requirement of that bill was to say that satisfying the terms of the sentence also meant paying off fees, fines, and restitution. And lawmakers who supported the bill said if you hadn't made these payments, 
you hadn't served out your sentence. Fines, fees, costs, restitution, all of that is part of a sentence in the state of Florida. I believe in restoration and redemption, but I also believe in fidelity to our Constitution. The argument was that this was necessary to clarify the language of the amendment in terms of what it means to complete your sentence and what it means to satisfy the terms of the sentence, and that it was the legislature's job to do this. So where did these fees and fines come from? A large chunk of what we're talking about here are costs that are assessed in felony cases essentially to help fund government. Florida doesn't have personal income tax. So the court system relies on fines and court fees paid by defendants. Those payments typically amount to a few hundred dollars and are used to cover everything from attorney's fees to public safety programs. Restitution, meanwhile, is usually paid out to victims and their families. How many of these people with felony records are estimated to have fines and fees still to pay? The short answer is most of them. We're talking about roughly three-quarters of them had some kind of financial obligation that would stand in their way. So how did voting rights advocates react to this new law? They went to court. They sued. And a fundamental argument was that the financial requirements amounted to essentially a poll tax. The U.S. Constitution has banned poll taxes since 1964. And pointing to that, voting rights advocates won at the district court level. That meant the new law was overturned. But Governor DeSantis appealed that ruling. And in September, he won. A court of appeals ruled that the new financial requirements could stand. And they will likely stand for this election because the U.S. Supreme Court isn't expected to take up the case before then. What the ruling did was really sort of solidify the rules of the road. So to have served your sentence, you have to pay these financial obligations before you're legally supposed to register to vote. That's investigative reporter Coulter Jones. Coulter teamed up with John to figure out what this appeals court ruling meant for potential voters. A lot of the reporting I do is sort of data-driven or document-driven. And I've been talking with a couple of different researchers who've been tracking people with felony records in the state of Florida. Coulter got his hands on a database that identified people who had felony records, still had fines or fees to pay, but had registered to vote. Under the Florida law, this group should not be registered. One of those people is Christy Garrison. Christy Garrison, she's 44. She lives in Coconut Creek, which is um, a city in Broward County. It's about 30, 40 miles north of Miami. I have a teenage son who's 14, and I have another son who's 18, who still currently lives with me. I have had the same job for about 20 years. (laughs) I do not live an exciting life. She has several felony convictions. All of them are 20 or more years old, and they're all related to drug charges. Christy said that she's been sober and drug-free for 20 years, This is like sort of a bad part of her life. And she was incredibly excited to be able to vote for the first time in her life because these convictions started prior to her ever voting. Oh, I was was very excited. I was overjoyed. I was so excited. Christy registered to vote soon after the amendment passed. And when she heard about the new financial requirements, she thought she was in the clear. 
I knew that I didn't owe anything or have any fees. So I'm like, well, thank God it's not going to affect me. I can still vote. Just to be safe, she said she double-checked with the court anyway. I, I called the clerk of courts. They told me that I needed to go to the courthouse, that they couldn't give me any information over the phone. So I went to the courthouse. I gave the girl my name at the window. She looked in the system and said that I had no fines or anything that she was aware of. But she did tell me, unfortunately, they weren't told what to do in this situation. And she told me that I should contact Tallahassee. Who to contact in Tallahassee? She didn't tell me that. You know, so I just, I contacted the election board in Tallahassee. After talking to the election board, Christy says she thought she was good to vote. And she did. She voted in the Democratic primary in March. But Coulter realized there was a mismatch. His database said she did owe money to the court. So he decided to dig into her case. Broward County actually has a website where you can look up cases. And I found her five felony convictions. And it looked like she did have outstanding money on those cases. But I still wasn't certain of it. So the next step I did was I called the clerk of courts there in the county several times. And I finally got through to the chief operating officer. The chief operating officer confirmed what Coulter had found on the Broward County website. Coulter told Christy she had nearly $900 of fees and fines to pay. Well, at first it really made me sick to my stomach, you know, because it's, it's like I, I've, I've worked so hard to... to get my life in order. And, you know, I was so excited to get my right to vote back. And then it gets yanked back out because there's no way I can pay that. I live paycheck to paycheck, just like a lot of people in this country. So there's no way that I can afford to pay it before this election, probably not even before the next presidential election. So then I got angry after I got sick to my stomach because it's frustrating. Christie's experience showed Coulter how confusing it can be for people to know if it's legal for them to vote. She went to the clerk of courts. She asked about her case. She said she was told she didn't owe any money. Did she ask the wrong person? It's a big court complex. Was she asking about only one of her cases? On one of her cases, she doesn't owe any money. On some other cases, she does. In one case, she's Christy Garrison. In another, she's Christine Garrison. Like, was there like a question on like maybe the, they looked up the wrong number or something? I think that's what her case really sort of illustrates is if you're not someone who does this on a day-to-day basis, finding court records may or may not be easy for you, even if that information is available somewhere. And Christy isn't alone. There are potentially thousands of Floridians in a similar situation, four weeks before the presidential election. That's after the break.
This episode is brought to you by ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. Enter ServiceNow. It puts AI to work for people, for employees, for developers, and even your customers, removing frustration and supercharging productivity. On our intelligent platform, AI isn't just a promise. It's happening today. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Tap the banner to learn more or visit servicenow.com slash AI for people. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash journal. Terms and conditions apply. Today is the last day to register to vote in Florida for this election. And ahead of the deadline, voting rights groups have been racing to find and help as many potential voters with felony records as possible. Part of that effort is to sign up people who don't have fees or fines to pay. The League of Women Voters in Florida has sent postcards, they're sending text messages, they're phone calling about 100,000 people who they think don't have any financial obligations. So there's like one aspect of just notifying people that, hey, for the first time in your life, you might be able to vote. This felony record is no longer a problem for registering. But most people do owe money. Other groups are helping them look up their records and cover the cost of those payments. And so groups like the Florida Rights Restoration Coalition are working with people. They can go to the website. They're filling out saying, I want help with my case. And... They're trying to track down records at the county level. On top of that, they're taking donations to help pay off some people's fines and fees on these cases. They say they've raised more than $20 million from 66,000 donors. Uh, LeBron James, some other sort of famous people have brought this issue to light. Most recently, there was an announcement that Michael Bloomberg helped fundraise $16 million for the cause. The Florida Rights Restoration Coalition says it has made payments for about 20,000 potential voters. But there are still thousands of people in limbo. Some are unsure whether they owe money, and others are unable to pay. And this situation is stoking a lot of fear. The fear that some people have is, would this be an illegal act if they voted knowingly? Does this whole system just create a chilling effect on registering to vote, on voting in general? I talked to one advocate who said, you know, for most people who have moved on with their life and served felony convictions, even interacting with the court system in any capacity is a terrifying idea. So trying to figure out this entire system of fines and fees can be incredibly frightening for those people. That sums up the way Christy feels. Christy is hoping a voting rights group will help her pay her fines and fees before Election Day. But if that doesn't happen, she says she's too scared to vote. I'm terrified to. As much as I want to vote in the general election, I'm terrified that karma is going to come back and bite me in the butt. It makes you feel horrible, like like you're less of a citizen. You've already served your time. You've paid your penance, so to speak. And they're basically saying that you'll never have a day in the matter for the rest of your life of, of who your elected officials will be. 
Coulter says Christy has good reason to be nervous. Does the state have a plan for checking on who's paid their fines and who hasn't? There does not seem to be a plan in place ahead of the election. There has been discussions about how difficult it would be to set up any sort of system where people could look up their fines and fees, sort of centralizing records, and it's years and you know millions of dollars to set that up is what the state has said. Many advocates are wondering if we will see court issues after the election. Somebody registers to vote, someone thinks they have paid off their fines and fees, and they vote. Well, we see court challenges later stripping those people of that vote, even if they acted in good faith. According to Coulter, this would be the worst-case scenario, challenging ballots after they've been cast. It could potentially hold up the election outcome in the state and maybe the country. For both political parties, there's a lot at stake. So I asked John whether this effort to get felons the right to vote has become a partisan issue. That's a tricky question, and it's also a really important one in a state that can decide who becomes the next president. But because we're talking about, you know, well over a million people, there are certainly Republicans, Democrats, independents, anyone of any political stripe is going to be in that mix. I think the key thing to know is that in Florida and really anywhere else where there are strict felony disenfranchisement rules, you're going to see a disproportionate impact on the African-American population. And because African-Americans are such a strong pillar of support for Democrats in the United States, the belief is that, among some researchers at least, is that this group would likely lean more to the left. Coulter says that once again, a close presidential election could come down to what happens in Florida. He worries that felony fines and fees could be the hanging chads of 2020. If Florida becomes the key state to determine the electoral college, every vote could potentially count. If we have an election like we did 20 years ago in Bush v. Gore that was decided by 500-some votes, you can imagine a scenario where every one of these voters who may have felony records who isn't sure about his or her, you know, fine situation being incredibly important in legal battles in the future. And I think that's the unknown that we're looking at and what the big picture is with the battle going on in Florida. That's all for today, Monday, October 5th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. If you like our show, follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We're out every weekday afternoon. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.